do you do you worry about anything? That's a good question. I, I like that fellow who said, what kind of question is that? You know, there's always somebody. They got all the answers. And so you ask questions. And then that other guy said, yeah, I worry about a lot of stuff. But I liked whenever he said, what do you think it would take not to worry? Did you catch the answer? Did anybody catch the answer, what it would take not to worry from the answer on the screen? Lots of money and a good job. I'm telling you. You know anybody got lots of money? They don't worry about anything. And you know anybody got a good job? They don't worry about anything. And you'd like to have their job. Because they don't worry about anything. Worry is a very real experience in our life. Some of us deny it. Some of us don't like it, but we won't do anything about it. Well, today we're going to look at it. If you've got your Bible, I'd like you to open to Luke, the 12th chapter. Luke, the 12th chapter. We're going to continue where we left off, okay? Luke, the 12th chapter. And uh, if you've got the New Testament, it's page 63. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay to be on the screen, though I would encourage you to bring a Bible. I'll be asking you to underline things. Or if you've got an app on your phone, by all means, get that. And I'll be asking you to underline things so that if you read this later, that will remind you those words are extremely important to understand the Scripture passage that you're reading. Before we do, let me say thank you. Let me say thank you to those people who are helping to prepare our new property for the time we're going to meet out there, okay? Really appreciate the folks that are giving their time. And there's quite a few folks. Appreciate yesterday, the family came in, provided the meal. All those things work together. If you haven't noticed, on the front of the worship handout, or mission ma- message map as I call it, it, it's not that long connection that we normally have, just trying to keep you updated. There's, there's, four sta- or there's a statement that's repeated four times. You see that? We will not work on Thursdays. We will not work on Thursdays. So when it says Monday through Friday, 6 to 9, we will not work on Thursdays. Does anybody not get that? We will not work on Thursdays. So if you show up out there, nobody be there because we will, that's right, we will not work on Thursdays, okay? And uh, do want to call attention to that, want to remind you of that, okay? Somebody told me when I come in, hey, it's great, you got green on. I said, why? They said, because you get pinched. I said, do you pinch people because they got green on? They said, no. If you got green on, you don't get pinched because it's St. Patrick's Day. And it was two young girls that was telling me this, fine-looking girls. And, and, and they said, so they can't pinch me. But they said, we pinched Josh Gentry. And then they said, he likes for girls to pinch his arms. Open season on Josh Gentry. Okay? Okay. So if you don't have green on and somebody comes up, pinch you, don't think connection's a lot of perverts. It's just you didn't put on the right kind of clothing today. Okay. Hey, let's, let's get to Luke, the 12th chapter. Before we do, let me just pray. Would you bow with me? Father, I ask you to help us understand what we're going to look at. And God, I know that's going to be difficult. 
we need your Holy Spirit to give us insight. Because you see, God, as you watch us, you know we all think we're the experts on our own lives. And yet we know what is happening in our lives and we know the areas that it's not good. And we need you to help us to understand some things about our lives. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that he brings transformation, that he is more than a good teacher, but he is Savior and Lord. But Father, we also know he has said things to explain our position as your image bearers and to understand that this life just wants to rob us of the potential you have for us. Help us, God. Help us to understand your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, I've already told you, when we entered the 12th chapter, and we're just going through Luke as far as we can go each week, and uh, never intended for it to be as long as it has been, but I think it's been good, and I, I, I take that not because of my interpretation, but because of so many people who have said things to me about this sermon and that sermon and this sermon and that sermon, just different people, and that just encourages me. And what we're doing, we're just checking out Jesus. Uh, if you hadn't been with us, from time to time I explain. We're looking at Luke because that's what Luke is doing. Luke did not walk with Jesus. Luke did not talk with Jesus. Luke is for another man whose name was Theopolis. Luke is checking out the facts about Jesus. He said at the very beginning in the first chapter, second, third, or third and fourth verse, he says, I am carefully investigating the things that we have been told so that you may know they are true. You see, Theopolis couldn't come to that land apparently, so he was, we believe, financing Luke. And they did not see Jesus. They did not talk with Jesus. And so Luke has gone and he is checking this out by talking to people who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus by going to villages where he heard things were happening and asking them questions. Somebody says, how do you know that? There's nothing that tells us that we know that. Except Luke's words, he carefully is investigating this. Luke is not just anybody in a sense of, of, of an average person. Luke is a man of intellect. Luke is a man of science. Luke is a medical doctor. This was so important that Luke apparently was willing to leave whatever practice he has to be financed by Theophilus to go and check all this out. Luke is not a Jew. Luke is not doing this because this is a religious pilgrimage. Okay? Luke is doing this apparently because he's being financed, because he wants to carefully investigate the things that he has been told to check them out. And you see there's people in America now 2,000 years ago, and it's all over the Internet, don't you believe that stuff? And they don't check anything out. They just grab any false statement that someone wants to say. Or they'll take a half-truth and elongate it and tell you, see, you can't believe that Christianity stuff. And so we're looking at Luke, Luke's gospel, and we're just checking out Jesus. And it's pretty peaceful until about the ninth chapter. And then it becomes very direct. 
And in the 12th chapter, Jesus is making some strong statements. Beginning in the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 12, he says, don't be controlled by bullies. That, I think that was a very important message. Because we live always, man and men and women have lived with people who are bullies. Religious bullies, parental bullies, children bullies. You know, we like to blame somebody else. You've got to be careful you're not a bully. And then he moved into the 13th verse to the 21st verse, and he says, don't be controlled by greed or excessive desires. And all of us have to, have to encounter that. It's there, man. It's there. Okay? And so today, he's going to talk about not being controlled by worry. Now, I want to say something. Here at Connection, we believe the Bible. We believe when we open this book, the Bible, it is true. We believe it is practical. We believe it is honest. We believe it is timeless here at Connection. We believe the Bible is applicable for today. We believe the Bible will help us. We believe the Bible here at Connection. That's why if you want to get into a discussion with me often, you bring in some tradition, I'll ask you to show me biblical, biblical evidence that that tradition needs to be a part of connection. The Bible teaches that Christians are to be in community, not in conflict. The history of Christianity in America with its vision to reach people with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has moved from community to conflict. Even though Christians will say they're community, they only want to be community if you do it like they say it ought to be done. And so, we believe that the Bible God has given to us so that we as His image bearers can live life the way He intended as we conflict with sin and with people who might seek to bring conflict into our lives. We believe here at Connection, you cannot, not any of us can understand the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit's inspiration. That's why two people can sit through a Bible study, a worship, or read the same passage, and one can get very much, or sing a song, and one can get very much because that song has Scripture in it. Another one, it was just like going to a Cardinal game. You experienced it, but it's going to be over. Because you can't understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit's inspiration. That's why in my prayer, I ask God to help us understand what we're going to look at today. So let's start. Verse 22. Verse 22. Then, that's Jesus turning to His disciples. He's been talking to the multitude. Remember? It's like a concert venue. There are thousands. I don't want to explain that again. I've spent two weeks explaining that. Thousands. They're walking on top of each other. And he turns from the multitude and he turns to his followers. And so what he's going to say is very important to those who say Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of people who claim to be a Christian that are not a Christian. Somebody says, you can't make that judgment. I don't. Jesus makes that judgment. 
He says, when that day of judgment comes, there are going to be some who are going to say, Lord, Lord to me, didn't we stand up and preach for you? Didn't we cast out demons for you? Didn't we pray and people were healed in your name? And you're going to say, I didn't know you. And then he makes a judgment statement. He says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because you see, they preached, they prayed, they claimed power, all because it was about them and their height of emotion. And so everybody who says they're a Christian is not a Christian. You don't need to walk around being a judge. One thing we know, if you have Christ, the Bible says you have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have the gifts of the Spirit. You have love. Some of you still can't love your ex. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to be romantically in love, but you won't forgive him. Some of you still won't forgive the coach of your ball team. You still tell the story. Stop it. Some of you still won't love somebody who racially is different from you. You still talk about how they're not as equal. Stop it. You see, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, the gift of the, the gift or the fruit, I'm sorry, the fruit of the Spirit, we're told. By the Scriptures is love, joy. Some of you, I was sitting up here and I thought, I wonder if your mate would still marry you if you look like this every day. Some of you got that. Love, joy, peace. Some of you, to be around you very long, you just run peace off. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I love gentleness. I could talk a sermon on gentleness. And self-control. And there's some of us say, I don't have self-control. But you know what the Bible says? If you're a child of God, if Jesus is Lord, He puts self-control there in you. You just got to pick it. You're so used to not picking it. You don't need to go around judging people. Jesus just said, there's a lot of folks who are saying, Lord, Lord, they're not part of me. So what does He do here? He turns away from the multitude because they can't understand this deep stuff. You know, shallow people run off when you get serious, when you ask for commitment, when you say, follow Jesus by your actions. So he sort of turns to his disciples. Look what he says. Jesus said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now, this is coming out of that greed, okay? Following in context, and we're all caught up with excessive desire. Let me take a trip to somewhere, and pretty soon I say, you know, I'd like to take a trip to somewhere else. I'd enjoy that trip, and I'd say, why don't we try thinking about this? Nothing wrong with taking trips, but it becomes an excessive desire that controls me more than maybe what can I do next for Jesus? What can I do next for my wife for Jesus? What can I do next for my family for Jesus? What can I do next for my church for Jesus? What can I give up for Jesus, see? And so he says, now I want you to understand, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now let me say some things. I've done this all through chapter 12. What I think Jesus is not saying, Jesus is not saying don't be responsible. Jesus is not saying don't make a budget. Jesus is not saying when he says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life, don't get insurance. 79, 1979, 1980, I'm pastor of church. Uh, a friend of mine, we played sports on the church team. Him and his wife would come over and visit with us, and we'd eat with them, just be very close people. But he came to me and he said, I'd been there probably two, two and a half years, and he said, he said Mike, I'm not going to buy any more insurance. Okay? I said, why? He said, because the Bible says we don't have to worry about this stuff. We are to trust Jesus. 
I said, what are you going to do when the accident is inevitable? You're going to drop your health insurance, your life insurance, and your vehicle insurance. Funniest thing about him is he had a multi-thousand dollar tractor that he wasn't going to drop the insurance on that. Okay? I said, what are you going to do when the inevitable happens? You're going to come and say, Mike, will you help me? Why don't the church help me? Why don't somebody else help me? Jesus is not saying don't plan responsibly. He's not saying don't maintain what you have. If the termites get it, I'm not going to worry about it. God's going to take care of me. He's not telling you to be irresponsible. I could spend much time showing you that the Bible says what God allows us to have, we are to plan to use wisely. I could show you that in many different places. Only if you take a verse out of context will you convince me that the context of the Scripture is what God allows me to have and you to have, we are to use wisely. We can only use wisely what we have. I can't use wisely what you have. And you can't use wisely what I have. If you have trouble using what you have to plan well for the future, then the Bible gives you some instructions. Now, do you hear me? If you have trouble using what you have wisely in planning for the future, then the Bible gives you some instructions. I want you to look on the screen. You can just write this reference down. Let's go to the next one. Yep, Proverbs 13, 20. You can write that down. Some of you got it memorized. Okay? It says, walk with the wise and become wise. If we are reading this in Hebrew... When it says walk with the wise, it says you would behave as the wise. You follow with me? If you walk with the wise, you start behaving like the wise. But then it says associate. doesn't say walk with fools. It says just associate with fools. doesn't say you're going to become a fool. It says you're going to get in trouble. If we read that in Hebrew, it would be and associate with fools. Now listen, the Hebrew says this. If you associate with fools you will be full of crying noise. Do you understand that? Emotional upheaval. Now, doesn't that make a lot of sense? A lot of people have a lot of crying noises in their life. Because you see, you keep buying the idea of the fools in this life. Instead of associating with the wise, or walking, not associate, walking with the wise. Learning from people who have learned how to find victory in the areas that you need to find victory. They've learned how to take what they have and use it wisely. You need to take off the mask, get off the pride, and say, hey, can we talk? And let them give you guidance. Some of you young folks, there's a lot of older folks that if you would just meet with them regularly could help you in areas of your life. Some of you old folks, there's people younger than you probably could help you if you'd meet with them regularly. Now listen, the context of this verse, 1320, comes from verse 18 and 19. Let's look at that. 18 says, if you ignore criticism, in the Hebrew, that word criticism means correction or instruction. You see, you, you're full of crying noise. You say, oh, pastor, help me. You're full of crying noise. You say, mom and dad, help me. You're full of crying noise. And you say, kids, help me. You're full of crying noise. And you say, government, help me. It says, if you ignore the correction or the instruction, you will end in poverty and disgrace. 
Disgrace just simply means in the Hebrew, you're going to be confused and you're going to feel shame because of the actions you take. And some of you know, listen, your life is full of crying noises and you feel confusion and you keep thinking you're never going to get it together. Instead of getting ahead, you're getting further behind. And you start doing things that if you told people, you'd be ashamed of. It says, if you accept correction, you will be honored. Now look, 19, I memorized 19. Because I used to think whenever I, was, whenever I was 16 through 19, I used to think God spoiled my fun. He took my dreams away from me. God wrote this. He says, it is pleasant to see dreams come true. God doesn't rob our dreams. God doesn't want you to have more. God doesn't want you to experience what's in His creation. God is a dream maker. He's not a dream thief. It is pleasant when dreams come true. It's pleasant. It's pleasant not to have to worry. He says, but fools. Remember, if you associate with fools, your life's full of crying noises. You get in trouble. But fools refuse to turn from evil. Evil is what gets in the way of your dream. You see, evil is not being willing to accept instruction or correction from somebody who seems to demonstrate they've learned some things. We want to go to people and tell them about what's creating the crying noise in our life, and we want a simple answer. But wise people know there's no simple answer. There's no simple answer. Life just hits you in the face with conflict. But wise people have learned how to make that not so harsh. See, but fools refuse to turn from evil to obtain them their dreams. So when I preach this sermon, I want you to understand this won't be the only answer. You may need to let God give you correction to some people. Because you know you need it. So what do you worry about in everyday life? Well, let's go back to verse 22. Jesus says, whether you have enough food to eat. Now, all food represents is that which sustains life. Just want you to understand that. Without food, you die. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't worry about your life sustaining. Don't worry about your health. Trust God. Now, somebody says, I shouldn't brush my teeth. Send your kid to me when they don't want to brush their teeth. I'll just open my mouth and they can see all the black cavities. I mean... Feelings. Because my folks, 12, we didn't get 12 kids living in the home. We didn't go to doctor. We didn't go to dentist until I started working. Didn't have money to go to dentist. So I got all these. But he's not talking. Should you go to doctor when you don't feel well? That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't worry about sustaining life. In other words, don't worry about your health. Trust God. Don't worry about dying. Be responsible and trust God. Don't worry about how much you have to eat. Be responsible and trust God. That's what he's trying to say. And look, he moves from food, he says, or enough clothes to wear. Clothes is what adorns the body, okay? Do, what, do, what do you say when you put a shirt on or a blouse or an outfit? You say to somebody, do I look good? That's what you say. And if enough people tell you you look good, you want to wear that outfit almost every day. You know what connection ought to do? Every Sunday you see somebody, all of us ought to give about 100 120 answers. You look good in that outfit. You look good in that outfit. Why, I would like that. You'd all come dressed the same. I could learn your names easier. Okay? 
But, but when he says, or clothes you wear, he's talking about what adorns the body. Now, what adorns a body? Don't worry about your job. Because you see, your, bo- your job buys what provides your food and what adorns the body. You've got to be responsible and trust God. Don't worry about the kind of vehicle you drive. Oh man, I've got to have a better vehicle. See, that's what adorns the body. Be responsible and trust God. Don't worry about the name brand on your shirt. Okay? Don't worry about that. Trust God. Be responsible and trust God. That's what Jesus is trying to say when he starts out about worry. You've got to just make that decision. Don't worry. Be responsible. Trust God. Look at your first, look in your message map. There's a page for blanks on the message map. Fill in that first blank. Everyone struggles with worry. Not going to deny that. Just maybe sometimes you go through life and you don't have to struggle with this because you've been responsible and God's helped you find a way that it's not like hitting you in the face. Everyone struggles with worry. Only those who learn to trust God in the midst of the struggle, okay? Because that's where you've got to trust Him. You don't have to trust Him when you got it all in the midst of the, tr- uh, in the, midst of the struggle. Only those who learn to trust God in the midst of the struggle experience peace and security. Okay? Now let's go back to the Scriptures. Let's go to verse 23. I want you to underline the first four words. Very important when you meet, read this. Because Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about the clothes, okay? But the first four verses, He says, for life is more. For life is more. There's something more to life. Some of us don't think that. Going to work tomorrow is what's important. Being able to eat lunch is what's important. We think something more is important. He says, for life is more, very important for worse, than food and your body more than clothing. And it is. Everybody has to be concerned about their substance needs in life. Don't get me wrong. You need, you need to be sure you can buy food and drink. You need, you, need, you need to plan well so you can keep shelter over your head. You need to plan well. So if your job requires you to get a distance, to get to it, you got a vehicle to get you there. See? If you're not learning to do that, talk to someone who seems to be wise in doing that and say, can we meet on a regular basis and you help me manage what I have so I can take care of those three things. If you get beyond that, see, those are the things you got to think about. Okay? you you got to think about the clothes you wear. I mean, I'm glad you're wearing clothes this morning. Okay, thank you. Really. I appreciate some of you getting that. Some of you are still lost. What is he talking about? And I'm glad. I'm hungry. I'm already hungry. I eat breakfast 6 o'clock in the morning. Me and I had probably 13 chocolate chip cookies. Chips Ahoy. Dunked in milk. Man, that's running out. Sunday I get a splurge. During the week it's got to be cereal. You know, for that other problem. Move it through your system. But on Sunday, it's a Lord's Day. I'm going to rest. I love chocolate chip cookies. Dunk them. Eat them. Woo! Okay? But I'm hungry. So I'm glad for food. I'm glad Laura prepares and there'll be food. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm glad we wear clothes and I'm glad there's food. What Jesus is referring to is what is the more we ought to be concerned about? What is the more we ought to be sure is in our life? For he says, life is more than food and clothes. And he gives us some examples of the more. Okay? 
Look with me at verse 24. Look at the ravens. Okay, he's going to, he's going to use this illustration. They don't plant or harvest or store food in, bar, in barns, for God feeds them. In other words, God takes care of His creation. This is an example. Look at them. So what you ought to do sometimes is just stop and look at the birds outside. Look at the squirrels. Say, look at them. I mean, I mean, come on. What's the statistics? Squirrels that starve to death. What's the statistics? Deers that starve to death. See, what's the statistic? I don't even know if there's one out there. God takes care of His creation. That's what Jesus is saying. Now look, if you don't see that, you read this real quick as we often read the Bible and we miss what's so important. Jesus is trying to tell us what the more is that is more important than worrying about food or what you wear. Okay? Look what He says. God feeds them and you are far more valuable to Him than any birds. Do you catch what Jesus is saying? Now look, if He tells the multitude, you know why the multitude is traveling sometimes days to get? I mean, they're leaving all their convenience to get to where Jesus is because they want Him to give them something. They want Him to give them something in touching their lives or speak something that will help them. And so He turns to the guys who are following Him. You see, there are some people who come to church if they can get something. And they won't keep coming if they don't get something. And then there's other people who come to church because they know Jesus just feeds you on a regular basis and it makes you healthy. And so he says, he says, God takes care of those birds. You're more valuable than the birds. Don't you realize? And if you don't understand this in the creation story, you lose it throughout the Bible. And some of you won't go to connect group. And we have hit this because we're looking at the Bible like never before. We've started with the book of Genesis. We are God's special creation. Humans are His image bearers. And I don't have time to explain that. You can hear about that in the connect groups. We are His image bearers. See, society messes us up. Our kids go to school. We watch TV and the news media. And the celebrities will tell us, listen, all creation is equal. The plants, the animals, and the people, they're all equal. God never said that. God said humans are special creation. They are His image bearers. They're more special than the trees. They're more special than the animals. Matter of fact, everything that is here, water, rock, trees, animals, flowers, food, is all because I was going to bring a baby into the world. Not a baby. A human into the world. An adult human. And I created this world for them because they are special you see the crib in your baby's bedroom is not special the baby is the bottle is not special the baby is changing the diaper is not special the baby is do you get it when the baby's sick you stay up all night not because the virus or the germ is special the baby is we are god's special creation and some of you already are having trouble because you've been nurtured in a public school system that has taught you the animals and the plants and the humans are all equal. God says no. And Jesus says here, who's more valuable? Look at this. The birds or the humans? Who does He say is more valuable? Jesus says it. Humans. If God takes care of His other creation, you're more valuable. So the, the answer is, don't you realize if you pay attention to what God wants in your life, He's going to take care of you. 
Look, he goes on in 25. Can all your worries, see, all this deals with worries, okay? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Well, can it? Can you worry and get another minute of living, another moment of living? You can. My mother, my mother, oh, a good mom, okay? My mother worried about her mom dying. She worried about her mom, my grandma dying. My grandma if there was a Christian witness whenever I was little in our family, it was my grandma. Don't you old folks think you blew it. You just blow it if you keep acting like a non-believer. If you keep holding ill feelings. If you keep calling people bad. doesn't make any difference. Talk about the good. Let your grandchildren grow up hearing good instead of all the criticism. Let those other unbelieving old folks give the criticism. You talk about the good. My grandma was sad. And here she is, 82, I believe it was. And she's dying in the hospital. And the nurses aren't going to force her to eat. And they tell Alma, that's my mom, Alma. You got, or they tell the family, you've got to make her eat. And my mom's sisters and brothers would make her eat. So mom stayed in that hospital, would not leave that bed. And she fed her every time she'd get grandma. Grandma Nichols to eat her food. Every time. And grandma lived. When grandma went home and she'd come and live with us, I, she told my mother, the next time, don't you force feed me, you let me die. I see Jesus. You see, my mom worried about her mother dying. Her mother died two years later. Some of you are going to say that's inhumane. Jesus is not being inhumane. He's trying to say this. You will get so worried about holding on to life that you forget about holding on to living for Jesus. He says, can your worry really benefit you? Remember that guy in the, the last guy? He said he told his wife to give, give her $5,000. You tell her one, you tell him one thing she worries about that's benefited her life. She hadn't got it yet. Let's go on. 26. And if worry can't accomplish little things like that, adding to your life, okay, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Wait a minute. You mean Jesus is saying there's something bigger than dying? You know why He can say this? Because you see, a life connected with Him, death is okay. You're secure in death. There's bigger things while you're walking on this earth. What is the statement? Somebody says, man, my back hurt, my knees hurt. Yeah, you're just getting old. But that's better than the alternative. Whenever I hear that, this week somebody said that. And I said, what's the alternative? And they thought I'd be a smart aleck. They wouldn't tell me. Because what's the answer in, in society? It's death. For a Christian, death is a much better alternative. That's hard to believe, isn't it? See, that's faith. I'm not telling you hurry to die. Jesus says there's something more important than dying. Now, that's because for His followers, their death is secure. That's just, that's just an instant. You stop breathing here, and you start breathing there. So what's more important here, see? Because remember I told you, He's telling these stories because He wants them to know what I told you. What was those four words? Somebody tell me the four words I told you in their line. What? For life is more important, okay, than food and drink. And he's telling us the importance, okay? Look, worry is robbing us from 
experiencing God's potential. Okay? More Americans are depressed than ever before in our history. At least records have been kept that tells us that. One out of ten Americans are taking antidepressant medication. We are even being told, listen, that depression now is reaching children that are three years of age. Now, where does a three-year-old learn depression from? From his job? From, from the ball team? At school? Where does he learn depression? You know where he learns it from? You and I. If he lives with me and I haven't learned how to be wise when it comes to the things that worry me, be sure your most precious thing in your life right now until he gets to be, or she gets to be 13, 14, 15, and she goes, thumbs her nose up at you, she'll still be precious, but you don't mind being away from him or her sometime. See, well, just being honest, I'm glad my four kids left the house. Okay? But understand, if you don't learn to control it now, if they're, if they're two, three, four, five, you got about 12, 13, you've got about seven to eight years to work on what's causing your worry. Or your kid will be like many families, will start taking the medication that you take. And I'm not telling you, now somebody, you go to a doctor and he identifies a chemical imbalance, you may need to take some medication. But a lot of us do it just so we can get through the day. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't take the medication, here's your statement. Oh, man, life's got me. I can't wait till I get the next drink. I'm not making that up, folks. I know that lifestyle. I'm just willing to be honest. A lot of Christians aren't willing to be honest about it. That's telling me there's a problem in my life. So I get with some men that I notice it's not the substance they need that helps them find their fulfillment in life. And when I'm close to him, it's Jesus. Now that's a little bit beyond me because I didn't have a mom or dad who taught me that. And I just didn't really spend a lot of time with people who knew Jesus that way. But boy, I'm married. I got a child. I got another one on the way. Man, I better be thinking about my future. I'm working three jobs. I'm doing what I can to make a living. And I'm not really enjoying. Worries, my second life issue. So I have to get with the wise. That's why you hear that verse. You hear it on a regular basis. Because I really want some of you to get your answer. You just got to be honest. You say you got it in Jesus Christ, but you know you're lying because you don't got it. And all of us worry, but we don't have to live in that worry. Look at verse 27. Look at the lilies. Now, he talked about the birds. Now, he talks about the flowers. See, he's just talking about plant and animal. Okay? He says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. Now, to a Jew, Solomon, everybody, boy, could we be as rich and as wise as Solomon. He's saying, Solomon in all his glory, he says, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so so wonderfully... I missed something here. Let me look at that. Dressed as beautifully they are. Go to the next verse. And God cares so wonderfully. I don't have care in here. So God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today, okay, and thrown into the fire tomorrow. In other words, you know the sun burns them up. 
He will certainly care for you. Again, all he's trying to say is, Jesus is trying to tell his followers, now I know the world's going to hit you in the face with reasons you ought to worry. I'm just turning to you and tell you there's much more to life than worrying about eating. Okay, substance and adornment. I want you to look at the birds. Every time you see the birds, the animals, God takes care of them. And when you look at the plants, God takes care of them. Okay? He takes care of them. And so his conclusion is, he will certainly, Jesus says, care for you. And you see, we live in a society that messes that up because society says, and many of you grew up in a public education system that taught you that animals and plants and humans are all the same. They're all equal, as equally important. God never said that. The animals and the plants all are here to create an environment. The rocks, the water, all to create an environment for God's special creation, which are His image bearers, you and I. How are you doing as an image bearer? Now look, it goes on. Look at 28. I want you to underline the next seven verses. I mean seven, not verses, I'm sorry. Woo, words. Why do you have so little faith? After giving these two illustrations, he says to these people who are his followers. And this is important. Life is more. What is more? Why do you have so little faith? Remember what he said in verse 23? Look back at verse 23. He says, for life is more than food and body more than clothing. In other words, the more is faith to trust God. That's the more. That's the more. Faith to trust God. And look what he says in 29. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. Okay? Now, we need those things. Don't get me wrong. I ought to plan wisely. I need to be careful of using my money to make my yard look better when i got to buy food. I need to be careful using my money to drive a distance when I need to pay the rent. I need to be careful using my money to buy some kind of adornment that's going to make me look pretty whenever i got to feed my face or my family's face. We have... These things in our life, they got to be there, food and clothing. And I could expand that. But what i got to remember is they are here for one purpose, to glorify God. People ought to be saying, you know, Mike doesn't have much, but everything he has, boy, he glorifies God. And I know some of you looking at Laura, I'd say, see, Laura can say, now Laura doesn't have much. And I know some of you saying, yeah, look at Mike. She doesn't say, thank you. I wanted to make sure you got that. But what she has, she's a glorified God. Now, I used, I used me because you see some mates say, my mate's not much, and they'll cast it off. Now, if you've already done that, that's okay. God is a loving God, a forgiving God, God of new beginnings. It's just, if you're in with a mate now, glorify God. Life is more. All right, go to work. I'm making all this money, and you're just blowing it. That creates community, doesn't it? See, we've got to have these things. But they are to be used. What we have is to be used to glorify God. Becoming depressed about these things does not bring God glory. That's, that's the way of the world. Don't miss the Connect group tonight. See, that's the way of the world. One of the things, if we're going to be a blessing to the world, is that we show them that because Jesus is Lord and we glorify God, that when life hits us in the face, we have a way find the potential God has for us. 
they're having trouble. They're saying, i got to make more money. i got to get a raise. They're saying, i got to get a better job. And they're always changing, chasing that which is elusive to most of us. Because listen, unless you've got a special talent or just a mighty sharp brain, and some people have mighty sharp brains, don't glorify God, you're just not going to get the kind of money and the kind of job that's going to make you not worry anymore. Well, you can never get it that you think you can get. Okay? He's trying to tell them that they need to realize God is good. God cares for them. God created them. God will provide for them. But they must demonstrate faith in God. You are doing that. Do you realize that? Now somebody says you're just trying to build a dependence. No. Listen, I'm not the person you're impressing by being here. God's watching. I'm not the person you're impressing. Man's not the person you're impressing when you say, with everything, shout for glory to God. With everything, shout to praise to God. It's God you're impressing. All you're doing is saying you can't follow who we believe is God's leader. And if Mike isn't God's leader, then we ought to get a new leader. And if Matt isn't God's leader, we ought to get a new leader. And some of you think we ought to. And yet, look at the track record. Leadership always, good leadership always brings dividends. That's scriptural. You see, it's God. We have what we have. We have connection. We have our vehicles. We have our homes. We, our houses are wherever we live. We have, we have, if we have a little money, if we have some food, if we have time, if we have strength, it's all to glorify God. Don't miss next week because he, he carries on with this. What Jesus is trying to tell us is that when it comes to the things that are the substance of life and bring adornment in life, okay, we are to do something. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 31. He says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Will you let the Holy Spirit help you understand this? Will you understand Jesus' words? When you get up in the morning, listen to me. Oh! Oh! When you look in the mirror. When you get up in the morning, I have to do my stretching exercises. Arthritis won't go. I have to do my exercises for my fingers. They'll lock. The arthritis isn't going away. And whenever I look in the mirror, I have to do the best I can to make this look presentable. Okay, I'm not telling you don't do those. But I'm telling you, when you get up in the morning, seek the kingdom of God above all else. When you go to school, when you go to work, put God first. It'll make work totally a different environment for you. Not for them, for you. It'll be a different challenge each day. When you're dating or when you get married, put God first. Do you understand what Jesus is trying to say? When, you, when it comes to your children, listen, put God first. When it comes to your money, put God first. When it comes to what you read and watch, put God first. When it comes to whatever you do, put God first. Is there anything that I've not included that would be in above all else? Well, there's probably some things in your life 
That's what he's saying. He's just talked about worry consumes us. And he's trying to say, God takes care of us like He takes care of the animals. God takes care of us. No, He doesn't say like. He says you're more valuable than the animals. And He says if the plans are taken care of by God, most certainly He's going to provide for you. And so He says, now I want you to understand something. Seek the kingdom. Here's the more. Faith that will put God first above all else. Above your grandchildren. Above your children. Above your vehicle. Above your house. Above your trip. Put God first. First, look at your next blank. Here's how I believe I learned to combat worry. We combat worry by seeking God's things. My kids call me tragedy, crisis, I should say, in their life. I said, I tell you what, I'm going to be with God's people, and then I'm going to find the time to be with you. Put God first. I'm not telling you there may not be a crisis. I've got to be with them, and God's people understand. But God knows they're never more important to Him. My money, my money never goes to my family before I put God first. If you've been here, you've heard me talk about how difficult it was for Laura and I to learn to become tithers. Now, a, a, a girl comes up, to Laura, comes up to me and says, hey, you guys paid too much money and had cash money in her hands. And I said, well, because Laura takes care of all those kinds of purchases. I said, well, you've got to talk to Laura, but I believe she probably wants that just go to organization, even though she didn't. She said she only wanted so much. And so the person went to Laura. And Laura, I said, hey, the first, yeah. And I told her, that's for your group. You see, we, we do that. We do that. But we put God first. See, you know whether you put God first. Or you don't in your life. We combat worry by seeking God's things. You stick God aside. I'm going to tell you, it gets more complicated. And some of you know whether you do that or not. If you think I'm trying to manipulate you, I'm sorry. That's what Jesus is doing with His followers then. Because He said, seek, seek, seek the kingdom of God above. For them, because they've been men, the lady you're going to go home and live with. The person who you may see tomorrow. What you'll do with that day's wage you get tomorrow. Put God first. What you think whenever your neighbor wants to destroy your reputation with falseness. Put God first. Whenever you get mad because your kid doesn't get picked for the soccer team, put God first. Has a tendency to take care of worry. Look, he goes on. The last of verse 21. And He, God, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He, God, will give you some of what you need. Look at this. This, this, is, this is all faith. Don't miss the connect group this week about Abraham. Don't miss it. It's all about faith. And He will give you everything you need if He sees that faith in you. And you say, how come He's got to see the faith? Because you see, He saves you not because of any action you did. Not because you come to church. Not because you read the Bible. He saved you because of what Jesus did. It's not anything you've done. It's what Jesus did. But once Jesus becomes a follower, He says, now there's a game plan. I've got this instruction manual. And I'm going to tell you, I will help you have everything you need. But you've got to put Me first. Faith must be there. Do you understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us Jesus is saying? Put God first in the morning. 
Put God first in the morning, He'll give you what you need. Put God first when you go to school and work, He'll give you what you need. I'm not telling you that the morning may not be bad. I'm not telling you school and work may not be bad. Put God first in your dating, He'll give you what you need. You don't put God first, you'll get married to the wrong person. Put God first in your marriage. Some of you, your mate can't get along with you. You keep blaming them, but you never put God first. You're still talking about what your mate did wrong. If you put God first, the Bible says... 1 Corinthians, 13th chapter, about the 7th or 8th verse. Love keeps no record of wrong. If you love your mate, you quit bringing it up. It's gone. Put God first. See, he's saying, put God first in regard to your children. He'll give you everything you need in regard to your children. He says, put God first with your money. He'll give you everything you need in regard to finances. He says, put God first in what you read and watch. He'll give you everything you need. Put God first in whatever, and He will give you everything you need. Do you see what he's saying? See, some of you heard I was going to talk about worry, and you came because you want to know how to overcome worry. I'm going to tell you, he says, you combat worry by seeking the things that God would want. And I have to constantly, because my second issue in life is worry, when it starts overcoming me, if you could get with me, whether I'm in a car, whether I'm in my bedroom or my office, or whether I'm at a place where there's other people and it starts overwhelming me, I just start saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm starting to take over. God, help me to know. What would you want me to do? And I'm going to tell you, I start saying kind things to people. I say to Laura, I'm sorry. I go up to you and say, hey, what was that you were saying? Let's talk about that. I start moving to where God would want. And I'm telling you, it's amazing what He does. But that's what Jesus said. God's always amazing. <laughs> He's always amazing. Look, 32. So he says, now don't be afraid, little flock, because some of you some of you already in your minds are, yeah, but you're not married to the person I'm married to. You don't have kids like I got. You don't have parents like I got. You don't work with people like I work. You don't go to school like I go. You don't have the money problem like I do. You don't have these bills like I do. You don't have the vehicle I do. You don't have the house I do. See, he's saying, don't worry, be afraid, little flock. Now, the next 12 verses, or next 12 words, if you would underline them. See, just three sections in here. Life is more... And then he talks about faith. Why don't you trust God? And then he says, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Don't ever forget that. If you're not getting everything you need, not everything you want, everything you need. See, if you come and ask me for help for what you need, I'm always trying to evaluate. You just wanting because you see you're misspending. I start asking you about your spending habits and you get mad at me. But you see, Connection, Connection has for five years given money to help people. And some of you, that's an easy out. You send somebody. And when they come, I start talking to them. And they don't want to talk about that. They just want the $300. They just want their vehicle fixed. They just want their utilities paid. See? And they got to talk about this. See? Don't be afraid. For it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Listen, He's talking to followers. Oh, God's overjoyed. Listen, he says to the angels, look, there's one of my kids. Oh, wow. They're enjoying their food. Crackers and milk, that's what my folks ate. I remember I grew up liking crackers crunched in milk because that's what mom and dad told me that's all they eat. For Laura and I, one pork chop, cut it, take, cut all the meat off, not real close to the bone, cut it in half. She gets half of that meat, I get half, and Misty got the bone. And Misty would just clean that sucker 
And to this day, if you talk to my oldest daughter, she cleans her bones. Her kids are blown away. And you know, God looked down and said, look at Mike and Laura. Got that young kid there. They got everything they need. They were not going to go to bed hungry tonight. Everything they need. I got the, I, I buy, I'm in seminary, and there's a guy in seminary, he's under duress, and so he needs $100. I go tell Laura, you think we can take $100? And, and I'm going to buy this 40th anniversary gold Winchester. 30 out. Man, I'm going to buy it. That's what we call it, 30 out. High power. Missouri can hunt deer with high powered rifles. I've been using shotguns. Okay, man, I buy that. We, I get finished seminary about a year and a half later. We move to the first church in Missouri, and I'm making less than what the government says for five people at that point, a wife and three kids and myself, should be making poverty level, and we got to have some money. we got a bill. And I said, you know, we could sell Grandma's dresser, her grandmother's dresser. Probably got three or $400. Antique dresser. I put God first. I beat her into submission until she sells the dresser. I badger her. I belittle her. No, I get in the car. I drive to the nearest town where there's a pawn and gun shop. I take it in there. He says, I'll give you $150. I think he gave it. Oh, man. $150. It's gold Winchester. I'll never get it. Of course, I think you can buy them everywhere now. I don't know, but let's go sell it. You know what God said to the angels? Look, they paid their bills, everything they need. You don't worry about the gold Winchester. I'm not, if you think I'm trying to build me up, I'm not. I'm telling you, that's what happens in your life. That's what happens. Everything you need. That's what the Father, He gets great pleasure. But you got to put Him first. Worry creates fear. Listen to me. Worry creates fear. Fear causes us to take control of our life and not continue in faith the way God would want. Not the way Pastor Mike tells you necessarily or somebody else, the way God would. Fear, worry creates fear. Fear causes us to start taking control. And then what happens when, when that fear, that worry takes over? We become irritable, we become angry, and we're hard to live with. And I'm just going to say this. Keep doing what you've been doing and you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So keep worrying and you're going to get what you're getting out of that worry. And some of you know what you've been getting. You don't like it. Once in a while, you almost, you see, you almost take a step and say, would you help me? But then your worry gets over and you say, no, would you give me the handout? And what you do, you expect people to help you when God wants you to learn to use what you have so that you can be responsible what you have. And I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. Some of you know there's people here looking at me know Laura and I help people. But some of you got to realize you keep doing what you've been doing when it comes to worrying about life and you're going to just keep getting what you've been getting. It won't change. Look, at, look on your message map, the next blank. Your life will follow that which you seek. You keep seeking it your way. If it's not been very good, you're going to keep getting it. I don't care where you go. I don't care if you get a better job. I don't care if you get a different mate. I don't care if you move somewhere. You're going to keep getting. Your life's going to follow what you seek. And Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And He says, He finds great pleasure in giving you what you need.
So Jesus is saying, you know, worry's real. Why don't you try something new, something different? So what's he saying? 33. Look at verse 3. Don't make possessions your priority. Sell your possessions. Now he's not trying to tell everybody, go sell your house, your TV, and your cars, okay? He's saying, just realize, it's as if possessions no longer are concerned. Sell your possessions and give it to those in need. Listen, always, no matter what you have, there's somebody you can help. There's always somebody you can reach down and pick up. Listen, it's not just finances. There's people that came in this building this morning and you think you don't have very much and you came and you take your seat and you sit in your seat and you just stay there and you could get up and you could bless somebody's life. Just you talking to them. Learn their name. Each week when they come, just share in relationship with them. Find out, do they have children? Find out what's going on in their life. They'll start looking forward to come to Connection because of a great preacher. Well, thank you. I started to say an average preacher. They'll come because of you. That's community. That's what church is to be. I mean it, folks. More than saying, we've got great preaching, great music. It is, we are, connection has great community. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. You see, what he's trying to say is, use what you have. You have time. Put God first. You have ability. Put God first. You have possessions, you have money. Put God first. Don't put those things first. Verse 33 goes on. This will store up treasures. Look what he says. This will store up treasure for you in heaven and the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. In other words, this kind of behavior to purchase God first just builds security for you. That's what he's trying to say. Look, now I want you to understand God is not a Santa Claus. You do this so that God takes care of you. It's all about you. You do this so that you've got rewards in heaven. It's all about you. And God's not a Santa Claus, believe me. But you do this because you're putting God first. Then God says, I'm going to take care of you here and there. And you can be sure you won't lose anything. But it takes faith that will believe that. And he closes with verse 34. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now you have to decide. He closes this small section by saying, you want to know where your desire is? It's where your treasure is. Okay? If your treasure is clothing, if your treasure is food, if your treasure is life, now listen, that's what you're always desiring. I'm going to tell you, he's already told us that's going to fill your life with worry. Your treasure is what you desire. If your treasure is the kingdom of God, and it's larger than what I've even begun to describe to you, if it's the kingdom of God, then that's what you follow. That's what you follow by faith, because the world will tell you, you've you got to pay attention to the others. If your treasure is food, clothing, and this life, then your heart's going to be filled with worry because your desires are all you... You can't get away from it. When you see some other piece of clothing, some other piece of food, some other way to make life a little bit easier, that gets your attention. If your treasure is the kingdom of God, then listen, that's what you desire. And when you see another opportunity to serve in the kingdom of God, when you see another opportunity to do in the kingdom of God, when you see another opportunity to behave, 
in the kingdom of God. He says your life, your life finds the potential he intended for you. Look at the last blank on your message map. When you are full of worry, you will do foolish things. When you are full of faith in God, you will follow Jesus. Faith in God, you will follow Jesus. It's your choice and my choice. Life full of worry, life full of following Jesus. Do we have a question? Then let's bow together and then we're done. Father, I thank you for this time and I just pray that these words will last longer in the next few minutes. May your Spirit remind us of them. May we read them again, maybe today or this week. And may we allow you to speak to us. For Father, you want us to be people who live victoriously. Not people who talk victoriously. But people who live victoriously. Help us to be such. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.